0: Hello, I'm your
1: host Ed Clementi, and we're very fortunate to have Carrie Ebersole Singh. She's the Chief Talent and Solutions and Engagement Officer here at the Medc. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you, Ed. I'm happy to be here. You know, and Carrie, she sounds like she's smiling, and she is because we've known <laughs> each other a while, and uh, it's a real pleasure to have you on. And I know that this job is—I wouldn't say you're new anymore, but it's still newish—and you have probably one of the more fascinating careers of a lot of our guests, because you remind me a little bit of myself, too. But you've actually, I think, even done more things. But uh, I, I kind of get bored at jobs and I move on a lot. <laughs> so but I don't expect that here at the MEDC. You're doing a great job here. So why don't you tell people, because that's a mouthful of a title. Why don't you tell people what you do for the MEDC?
2: Yes. So leading the talent work here at MEDC, we're focused on essentially developing customized solutions um, across the workforce and talent spectrum of programs in the state to deliver a customized solution to these employers so they can meet their workforce needs. And that may also include some recruitment plans as well. Um, Obviously, we're ultimately focused on attraction and we want to help diversify and build our uh, economy here in the state of Michigan. But that that is what we are doing in the short term. And then in the longer term, we'd love to deepen specific pools of talent like engineers. Even though we have a great footprint of engineers and engineering schools in the state, we want to go further. uh, And also with computer science. So we'd love to be in a top five state uh, for production of those four-year degrees Um, As well as there's some K-12 or PK-12, really, system change that we look forward to partnering with the the Michigan Department of Education to talk about how do we bring employers closer um, to their curriculum and how can they help mentor kids and give them experiences um, to really ignite that passion for that child's future and how they may see uh, making a living here in the great state of Michigan.
1: And, and we should also say that you come with a lot of pedigree just in this field as well. As
2: long as you didn't say baggage. Ed.
1: No, baggage is <laughs> later. But uh, right now it's pedigree. So, um, no, but I mean, you came from Leo, uh, Labor, Economic and Opportunity, right? And uh, you created a couple interesting programs or you're responsible for a couple of programs. Why don't you touch on those? Because you're still doing one, right? At least. Well, well
2: no, I, I always say I help to lead because um, there was a uh, Doug Ross was instrumental in helping create the reconnect program here in the state. And I know actually a relative of yours who was leading um, Leo at that time, Jeff Donofrio was also at the helm and that reconnect legislation passed. Um, but the other program that is housed in the 60 by 30 office, which I helped to launch um, was the futures for frontliners program where governor Whitmer um, was able to utilize federal resources for for a first-in-the-nation tuition-free pathway for those those frontline workers during the first uh, period of the pandemic to have a bit of um, uh, support uh, to continue to uh, pursue their educational dreams. So those are the two programs uh, marching towards that 60% post-secondary goal that the governor has set forth for the state. I'm
1: going to put in two other plugs for you, but... uh... (laughs) you so I've only been at the MDC like a year and a half myself and so I went to the new member sort of I was video wise but uh, but you did a really great presentation to the staff even for them who don't really know because I remember you were in the room and I think not as many people raised their hands when you asked about certain programs that you just went through with me because I think that that's Often, the cases, there's so many things going on, it's hard for people to really grasp. I mean, I'm telling you that the tuition one, I think, okay. is just huge. Yes. And I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of people. I know, It, you know, you we'll, we'll get into downriver a little bit here, but um, a lot of people I know could take advantage of that while that program.
2: Absolutely. I mean I think it's important to realize when we think of um increasing our post-secondary credentials. Okay, so this is towards an associate's degree in a community college or an in-demand certificate. And these are for adult learners. Um, Life gets busy. Life happens. You're in one pursuit. Things don't work out. But this is what's so amazing about these programs um, to offer this tuition-free pathway where you don't have to think twice about, you know, getting those tuition payments done because the state is taking care of that. And it was a bipartisan effort. It's one of the beautiful things that, unfortunately, is a rarity sometimes in our state when we talk about that those bipartisan issues that, uh, especially in the economic development realm, that we do see um, that are exciting for our state.
1: Well as a former trustee for Wayne County Community College uh, I know that how important those things are for because our back then when I was trustee you know we had all of Detroit it's you know most of Wayne County and we had a lot of uh, underserved populations that really could have used it both financially plus a lot of those families didn't have a role model. That would have told them to go to college, and so it's it, it's sort of a challenge, even in my own family. You know, like it was a big deal for me to graduate from high school in my family. So uh, you know, I, I You're know troublemaker, weren't you? Well, there's <laughs> no my sisters. They they kind of made it easier for me. They took a little longer to graduate, but uh, but I graduated on time. Anyway, the um, but I do think it's so critical because. You know, I I, I imagine some of this is the stackable certifications too, right? Because can you just give a quick 30 seconds of what that is? Because I think that's the key to the future somewhat.
2: Yes. And, you know, often our CEO, Quentin Messer, talks about having um, a state full of lifelong learners. And as we know, like... Um, Our parents who worked uh, for the same businesses or companies for 30 years or launched small businesses that they owned their entire lifetime. Um, This generation is different. I'm a tail end Gen -er. Xer. I was a bicentennial baby, in case you're curious out there. Uh, I'm not asking any questions. (laughs) As I age myself. Um, But I think it's really important to, you know, think about what are the skills or functions, those passion areas that you want to pursue and get credentials that lead to a high paying job. And then guess what? If you know, interest change or you're ready to go back and learn, take that education to the next level, that's where you're looking at those stackable and portable degrees um, or certificates. So um, those are really what we want to support developing. And, you know, a lot of the work at Labor and Economic Opportunity through many of the WIOA programs that our Michigan Works agencies across the state help Uh, implement and provide those pathways to folks. Um, It's really just the beginning. And I think it's really important that folks, you know, find something you have an interest in and then grow, give it a chance, do some job shadowing and, and uh, put yourself out there to get that experience.
1: Yeah, I served on SEMCA as a workforce board Mm -hmm. for 10 years. And I know how, you know, and the other thing to compound the challenge is that it's such a moving target of what, private sector demands or what the jobs are going to be because, you know, I don't think in my lifetime I've seen careers have to shift or become obsolete so
2: quick. Yeah. You know, i I want to add a plug uh, for labor markets uh, initiatives, uh, LMI, over at how's that DTMB in the state of Michigan. They'll be issuing their hot 50 jobs uh, that are in demand in the state, I believe, next week um, or later this week, forgive me, uh, or sometime here in August, at least. Why don't we say that? Um, uh, At any rate, those in demand, we have labor market information. I think this is one thing that's unique to MEDC as well. We want to ensure that we are meeting Michigan employers' needs, which includes their workforce needs. But we also have to have an understanding of where industry is going. So when we talk about semiconductors and we talk about the auto industry, the emerging mobility and electrification that is happening in that industry, uh, being 20 percent of our jobs in the state, how can we be partners to industry to ensure they're getting the talent that they need to be successful in this global economy?
0: You're listening to The Michigan Opportunity featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast.
1: So we also, I should mention too, uh, we met each other originally when I, when I was my first term in the legislature and you were chief of staff for Barb Farah, our good friend. And, and that's how I first met you. And I know Th- that you had a career prior to that with, uh, so you're going to help me out a little bit here, but I know Ed McNamara, you said, and Curtis Hertel Sr. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. So when I graduated from Michigan state, I started working uh in downtown Lansing for the democratic caucus under speaker Hertel at that period of time. And the one shout out I need to give is, That it was really special to me to start uh, under what we call the the old guard, you know, prior to term limits. What was it like with policymakers shaping policy for our state and learning from them? Um, I, and the other, uh, experience that you mentioned, and I left Lansing to go work for Wayne County in the abandoned property program. And just a further name drop for your show, Ed, is, um, you know, now Mayor, uh, Mike Duggan was the deputy county executive at the time. This was before he became prosecutor and um, a slew of other individuals who've had incredible, impactful uh, careers. And it, it was a very special time for me, again, as a young person to be part of that McNamara family. And that's where I met Barb. Yeah. And Barb,
1: at that time, when I first met her, she was a councilwoman still in uh, yeah, Southgate. Southgate. Mm-hmm. Right. And now her brother's a council person there, too, now.
2: I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: And so, uh, yeah, I think he's the retired policeman. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, yeah, so there's a lot of us. And one other thing I, ha- I get in trouble if I didn't mention your husband, Sam Singh, uh, we went through MPLP, Michigan Political Leadership Program, a fine program. And if you don't know about it and you think you want to get into the sort of state level government, it's a good program for you to apply to. Mm-hmm. But Sam and I uh, became friends way back then. He's a lot younger than me, but uh we went to the program. He was a young guy in our group, I remember. But we were both Michigan State guys at that point. And so that's how we became friends. And he was also the mayor of Lance, East Lansing. East Lansing. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I forgot all that. <laughs> and, uh, and I got to say, like, yes, my husband is lovely. But if you've met my five-year-old son, Remington Ebersol Singh, he keep your eye out on him because he is going to make his mark in this, (laughs) in this community. Um, And we've been fortunate uh, the three of us just um, as a family unit to enjoy a little bit of this summer, but also um, getting ready for Remy to start kindergarten this fall.
1: And I, you know, I kind of glossed over another point I wanted to make, (laughs) but uh, you're sort of also the, uh, I I don't know if I want to use this term, but I know the utility player for the governor too, because You've probably had like four different positions already, right, in her
2: administration? Well, I I um so I've known the governor for a while since she first ran for State House. And um when I actually I was consulting at the time and I was a little bit bored. Sometimes I kick myself for that. Uh, Back in 2019. But at that moment in time, I I did a check check in with the administration and said, okay, what do y'all need? How can I be helpful? And uh, that is when we embarked upon that 2020 census effort. So that was when I came back to state government in August of 2019. Um, I helped to lead that effort uh, as well as our um, census committee, which had over 60 appointees and working across state government and beyond and with communities across the state. And you know we we had a good self response rate, which is the best thing you can control in the census. Um, so we had our best self response rate in two censuses. Uh, and considering it was when the pandemic happened, I'll take that as um, a decent badge there. Then that's that's when I actually went over to work for frio over at Leo and to launch the sixty by thirty office. and then it was a quiet day. And I got a message from the Governor's scheduler saying the Governor would like to speak with you and i I knew this wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> um, but long story short, she asked me at that that time to help on the vaccine. Oh, That's right. Yes. yes. Uh, education and awareness. So at that moment in time is when I was wearing two hats, I still kept my foot in the management role of the 60 by 30 team. But also um, if you we had to manage through shortages of vaccine in the state to, you know, growing that vaccine uptake, uh, worked with some amazing partners to launch a vaccine sweepstakes, which I don't know how many people, you know, that have helped develop a lotto. I was one of those people, so I think this is why people think I can kind of plug in just about anywhere to, you know, try to support the effort, support a mission to, to help our state. So that's that's how I sleep well at night.
1: Right. No. No. I mean, it's uh, it, it, like I said, it was good pedigree. So you, you sort of answered uh, a couple of my questions already, but um, this one's a little bit more geared toward you individually. And the kind of advice you would give yourself, if you could talk to your where'd you go to high school? I don't even know. Actually.
2: I went to three high schools, but I graduated downriver, Trenton. Oh, I didn't yeah. think I knew that was your last oh, so, Yeah. Okay. So I graduated from Trenton. So this is, I go way back with the Dingles, which is important, like anyone from downriver that's part of the part of the Lynch. family, if you will. So <laughs> um so yeah I moved around I lived in Hastings Michigan I went to school there and then Elkhart Indiana the RV capital of the world um I those were the three high schools I went to
1: and so what advice would you give your 17 year old self or to even if you were doing a high school commencement like like what have you learned you think now you've had a child you're married you've had all these jobs is there any type of different advice you'd give yourself on what to do
2: I think one of the pieces, again, and all this reflective advice is easier said than done when you're seventeen, right? One, of course, would be calmer, you know, Don't be so anxious uh, around different decisions. um I think I think the other thing that i've I've been fortunate, and this my dad says this, and this comes, I think this is kind of passed down from generation. and um, and I don't mean this to sound obnoxious, but I it's something that drives me, and that is there's always room for some someone good. And while it came more from a sports analogy, but if you hustle, you're put in your best, and you become good at what you do, there's always going to be a seat, there's always going to be a pathway for you um to explore new opportunities. So I've tried to hold dear to that, and I think. I've been fortunate enough to, and I kind of fell into it, is um, just by job experience. Um, that, you know, when I started working in the legislature, that really opens you up to a lot of different, um, you know, policy areas, different, you know, advocacy groups, nonprofits that are coming in. And I think it's incredible exposure and you get a lot of responsibility at a young age and you learn to manage. And that all has set me up for no matter what issue area I go into, I, I bring that same set of tools that I've been utilizing across my lifetime.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you know, my first job was working in the Senate out of college. Oh, yeah. And I worked in the Senate. But I'm not kidding you, within a year and a half, I was in charge of prison overcrowding. I was like 21. And I had to do hospital bed reductions because we had too many bed excess beds. Yeah. And there were just like, miserable committees to be involved with. But, you know, other people see stuff in you that you don't always see in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my boss at that time thought I could take it. I didn't think I could. Mm -hmm. But then you start to realize, I guess that's what responsibility is, is there's not exactly a direct roadmap, but if you got the right skills and like your dad said, you know, if you're a good person, you'll figure it out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Your very last question, is you've got a five-year-old right you said yes so where do you guys like to go either uh festivals or up north or whatever what do you guys like doing
2: yeah we're a big he's a beach kid um traverse city area is definitely a favorite of his and i i must count just uh just Two weeks ago, he made his, what I'm calling his first unaffiliated friends on the beach. So he made friends (laughs) with four kids that we had no connection to whatsoever. And again, we're building that momentum as he starts his kindergarten career. So uh, he had a blast.
1: Are they going to put up lawn signs for
2: him? (laughs) I got to tell you, the kid, you know, you can't say no to him. He'll tell you that he's spoiled by his parents. So,
1: Wow. Anyway, I uh, appreciate very much uh, you doing the show today. Um, I just wanted to uh, also say thanks again for all your service for the state and just mm-hmm. different folks over time. And again, I was just going to mention that our guest today is Carrie Ebersol Singh. And I'm struggling here. I missed your title again. I don't want to get it wrong. But why don't you say it again for me so I don't have to <laughs> dig it up here.
2: Yeah, Chief of Talent Solutions and Engagement Officer.
1: Okay. Sorry, I've, I'm doing this off my phone, so I'm trying to look at it's both. a
2: mouthful. No, it's okay. No worries.
1: <laughs> but anyway, we want to thank you again and for all that. It's a tough job. And like we said, it's a moving target, but I'm sure you'll be up to it. And uh, everybody likes the way you're doing things so far, so I appreciate you doing it. Knock on wood, Ed. Knock yeah, that's on right. wood. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to jinx you. Sorry.
2: <laughs> all right. Take care now. Thanks again, Carrie.
1: Join us next week, where our guest will be Roderick Hardiman. He's the CEO and chief strategist of Urge Imprint, which brings fresh global perspectives to local and national public sector organizations.
0: The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org
2: forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.